Hello, fight fans. Welcome back to the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. This is episode number 215 for the week of April 4th. We are already about to be in April. Man, one-third of the year is up so far, and uh, 2020 can just go to hell. We started off so good, and then March, everything just blew the hell up. It looks like it's going to be more of the same in April, but... We don't have a whole lot of news in the boxing world to talk about, but we have a great guest coming up later here. We're going to talk to Terrell Van, also known as T-Street Controversy, a guy that I I just love his work, man. I love following him, and um, I've been following his stuff for a long, long time. He dates back to probably, I think, like 2010, 2011 with YouTube. He's been doing it for a decade. One of the real, as they say, OGs of boxing YouTube and doing it the right way, in my opinion. But before he calls in and we uh, discuss things with him, a couple of quick news items, man. Uh, Some more postponements, of course, uh, Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin. That fight has been moved. They actually have a date to July 4th. Interesting date. July 4th. And uh, Usyk Chisora, that has been postponed, but they don't have a date yet. Look, guys, as I was saying last week, The more folks I talk to in the industry, these big fights, most of them are going to be pushed back into the fall. I'm talking September and on. That's going to be when most of the big fights are pushed back to. It's unfortunate. But if White Povetkin really does happen uh, July 4th, that's great because people are going to need some, some fights, some entertaining fights to hold them over during the summer. Uh, hopefully we don't just have a bunch of club shows over the summer. But as far as Olympic boxing, well, we didn't know if Olympic boxing was going to happen in 2020 anyway because of all the issues with the AIBA. But the Tokyo Olympics, Tokyo Summer Olympics, period, whole thing's been pushed back to 2021. They're saying no later than summer of 2021. Uh, It's even possible that the quote-unquote Summer Olympics get started in late winter or in the spring next year which is kind of crazy to think about. But, man, we are in crazy times. Also, uh, coronavirus has hit the boxing community. I'm sure you guys have seen some of the news. I see Chris Bergen in the chat uh, talking about Anthony Yard's father actually died from coronavirus, right? And we have several fighters uh, here in the States that have tested positive that are currently in quarantine. And uh, some trainers, a a former cut man, uh, died from coronavirus. So, it's affecting all of us, man. And um, some of you guys saw the video I put out on my channel today uh, talking about Boxing Monthly Magazine. It's been a, a you know big part of my life and a big part of this show. Boxing Monthly Magazine will be no more. The May issue coming out will be the last one. So whether you subscribe to Boxing Monthly or not, I highly recommend picking up the May issue that comes out in uh, about a month. Because it will be a collector's item. That's going to be the last one. And guys, this fight publication dates back to the 80s. A couple of you guys have asked me, will the uh, whole thing go dark? Or will it just be the magazine and the website will carry on? As far as I understand it, it's the whole thing. Our our website's getting cut, the the whole deal. So we just heard from the publisher today. uh, some, Some emails went around. But we haven't been given uh, a whole lot of details. We've just been told basically that May issue is the last one. But as far as I understand it from the communications I've seen, it's going to be the magazine and the website. So everything's going away. And there are contributors there at Boxing Monthly Mag that go back decades. 
I mean, the, the, the magazine goes back to the 80s. You think about that, guys. A lot of you guys watching this right now weren't even alive when the magazine started. So um, it's just sad, man. It hit me kind of hard because I have a, a lot of great memories and there's been some wonderful people who have uh, looked out for me and given me a chance and given me my first real big break in this business that are tied to Boxing Monthly. So that was pretty sad, man. Uh, but we're not going to do a totally sad show here. We're going we're gonna to have some fun. T-Street's going to jump on and I want to talk to him a lot about the YouTube boxing community as uh, as a whole, because he's been around a lot longer than me, and he's seen things change, and he's one of the more outspoken guys on YouTube that I really enjoy. I think he does it the right way, and I can relate to him because he's an opinionated guy, an independent-minded guy, and when you are opinionated and you have an independent mindset about things, you're going to piss people off, and I know he's pissed a lot of people off. I've pissed a lot of people off, but He's consistent. He's consistent. And that's one thing I try to be. I, I don't uh, change the, I don't know, the grading or anything for a fighter or whatever, depending on what platform they're on, what network, what promoter they're with, what country they come from, whatever. And I know he's the same way. So I think we're going to have a good chat. That's going to be a lot of fun, man. We could all use that. We're probably going to swear a little bit today, guys. So don't don't be too triggered, okay? If you're watching... I imagine most of you are watching this at home because you've been quarantined from the office or from uh, from school or whatever. But if any of you are watching this somewhere in mixed company where uh, people might be offended, just put on headphones. Listen with some headphones on because I don't know how uh, deep we're going to get into this stuff with the LDBC and all this stuff. But um, look, my, my man T-Street... He's got some some opinions. So, you know, there might be some F-bombs and this and that flying. So all I'm saying, guys, is, you know, just be prepared. It's okay. We can have a little fun today, all right? It doesn't all have to be uh, so serious. We can have a little fun. As always, um, I forgot to remind you guys, number one, the phone lines for the USA, 213-267-7787, the UK, 02081-036051. Call in. Okay, I want you guys to call in to talk with T-Street and myself, but give us 10, 15 minutes. Let us get into the conversation a little bit, and then we'll start taking some calls, okay? Uh, I have noticed that I don't know what's going on with the digital media stuff, but I've talked to several guys, and it's not just on YouTube. It's on uh, websites, too, like uh, ringtv.com and, and other sites I work with, where um, just views are down, clicks are down at a time where they should be up. So I think there's issues right now with YouTube, with the algorithm, and you guys seeing the live videos and stuff. It's, it's very, very odd that in the, in the, since the shutdown, the last couple of weeks, all the views and stuff have gone down. I don't know what the hell is going on. But whether you're watching this live right now or listening live on Spreaker or you listen to this later, I think you guys will have fun. But as always, I remind you and request I ask that you go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere else where this podcast is heard, and uh, drop a rating, drop a review, make sure you're sharing it, make sure you get the word out there, all right? Because that is so damn important, particularly at a time like right now, where um, the uh, content creators are getting are feeling the crunch right now big time, okay? You guys know that I, I do YouTube kind of like as a side piece to my other work in boxing. So I have a lot of different uh, 
the revenue streams, if you will, in the sport. It's nickels and dimes, but those nickels and dimes add up. But there are a lot of guys doing really good content, whether it be on YouTube or anywhere else, that are feeling the pinch, man, because I, I think that the bandwidth with all the streaming platforms and all that is affecting things. I, I've heard that out of uh, L.A. and out of the Bay Area there and uh, in California, which they basically run all this stuff. The, all media really is run out of California. And the bandwidth has hit them hard, and there's been issues with uh, a lot of the, the streams and stuff like that. So just uh, be mindful of that, guys, and um, make sure that you're sharing, that you're spreading the word, that you're getting the word out about the show. All right, so let me look here in the chat. There's just honestly no news to talk about. So um, actually, one thing I will, I'll give a shout out to uh, Joe Habib in the Ringside Reporter podcast. He put out a video today about, quote unquote, new media, new media, quote unquote. Um, and that's a term that, you know, I kind of have a little fun with myself that um, he, he was just giving some thoughts on that, that I really, really agree with a lot of what he said. And um, I, I highly recommend that video. And it relates to the subject matter I'll be speaking with uh, T Street about in just a few minutes here. So make sure you guys check that out. Ringside Reporters channel. Joe Habib put out a video about the quote-unquote new media. I think all this new media, old media stuff, it's so stupid and it's so divisive. And, you know, at a time like today where I just found out Boxing Monthly, again, that is a publication that's been around for over 30 years and it's going away. I mean, man, in the boxing community, we need to stick together more. We need to uh, stop with the, the petty bullshit and that's why I've been more vocal about calling out some of these guys. And I know T Street has. He's beefed with several of them. And, uh, but increasingly, there are more people calling out these clickbait channels, these divisive race-baiting channels, because they're, they're, they're making money. They're making a ton of money because some of these channels have followings, tens of thousands, sometimes even hundreds of thousands of followers. They're making money. So they're eating well. But they're really damaging the community, man. This kind of stuff right now, we need to be coming together. We need to be working together. Boxing is a niche sport. There are only a handful of countries in the world where boxing is what you call like a, a top five sport. You could count them with one hand, okay? But, uh, guys, I'm telling you right now, man, we need to stick together on this thing. All right? We need to be working together in the boxing community. Stop with all this divisive bullshit. It is damaging the sport. We already have too many clicks and all that in this sport, man. It's just, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's see here. We got a caller online. Let me see if this is T Street. Let me jump over here and get this call. T Street, is that you? Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you well, my friend. Terrell Van, everybody. Mr. T Street Controversy. We are live, my friend. Yeah, happy to be here. What's going on? Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for doing it, man. Um, We're going to get into it here in a minute. I just... um, Staying safe, coronavirus free. Yeah, so far, right? uh, That's the goal right now, man. That keeps putting everything in perspective for me. As much as, uh, you know, I get pissed off, I'm bored and everything else going out with the quarantine life. You just, you hear some of these stories. um, Folks, you know, I mean, Anthony Yard's father just passed away. Um, so it's real shit and it's, uh, I know you've been through a lot of health problems yourself in recent years and it just, it, man, it puts things in perspective, right? Uh, just always yeah. keep that perspective. 
All right, we got a super chat pledge from Ray Valeri. He says, great collab. I'm loving the guest, Mike. Thank you so much, Ray. I appreciate that. And uh, T Street, um, in a minute here, I want you to talk a little bit about yourself and your background in the, in the sport. I know a lot of people watching this right now on my channel are probably already big fans of your work like I am. But just in case for the few folks who are not, I know that you've been running this current channel you have since 2014. You're on another channel back uh, before that, back to 2010, and you started your own site, Fight View 360, since 2016. So you've been around the YouTube boxing community basically for a decade. Could you talk a little bit about just your background and, and what you do? Yeah, um, the first the first videos I ever did was on um, in November of uh, 2010. So. I was in my last year at college in, at the time, and basically, you know, my former partner, the channel I was on into the arena, he was like, basically, well, you know, have you ever thought about doing YouTube videos? Because at that point in time, I was always known in our circle of college friends to uh, be well-educated in boxing. So um, to fast forward a little bit, uh, the first video I ever did on YouTube, you know, got drunk. It was um, <laughs> Mini Pacquiao versus Shane Mosley. And what ended up happening was out of nowhere, the first video got like 75,000 views in like a week or some shit like that. So as we fast forward, I was only doing about one video a month with him. So he had to pull teeth to get me to do videos. So I was at a turning point in my life. You know, I had finished school. Um, I was bartending and also I was having some health issues as well. So as I was home, as you know, I work from home now, I said, well, you know what? Um, let me start taking this boxing on YouTube seriously because I used to be, you know, no filter. You know, like I'm not talking about the Oscar De La Hoya shit, like all that, you know, no professionalism, just straight, get some news like people are doing now and just do a video with no context. Just, you know, have a few beers, drinks, and just go hard. So as time went on, I'm going to say about um, uh, 2013 or so, I didn't want to just be known as the dude that just puts it, you know how they say, in your mom's basement doing videos from right. your couch. Right. So I wanted to expand, but me and my partner at the time into the arena, he, you know, we hit a wall. You know, so I decided to go on my own. And this was um, um, in the um, late summer of uh, 2014. And basically I said, okay, well, how can I um, offer something that other people aren't doing. So I said, okay, well, nobody's doing their videos live and uncut. It wasn't too many people out there that was able to do videos still to this day to get the videos out as fast. So what I focus on is all my videos after every single major fight, for the most part, unless I'm not healthy or whatever, I do them all live and uncut. There's no edit. So therefore, if somebody gets knocked out, no matter what round it is, whenever the final bell, I'm giving you you know, audio of the post-fight interview, my full live reaction. So I was doing that then. But I said, well, wait a minute. What if I'm able to, you know, do my post-fight content but have the credibility of being a media member to be able to say, okay, well, instead of me being at this fight, you know, instead of me covering this fight from home, well, this weekend I'm going to be out in the field and do my video, you know, the next morning. So you know, as time was going on, you know, um, 2014, 2015, my health started to decline. And I do want to want to say this. Listen, you do not want to get pneumonia. <laughs> you know, you do not want to deal with a, a issue where you're going to feel like you're breathing out of a straw. 
You know, two years ago today, I was in physical therapy where I was paralyzed pretty much from the waist down because I was in a coma for three weeks because I had respiratory failure. So from my understanding, this is what um, um, this virus is doing to people in regards to attacking people with um, respiratory issues or, as they say, underlying health conditions. So one thing for sure is that, you can, you know, they're telling you that, you know, well, you know, this amount of people died and all that, but they're not telling you how painful that shit is. So, you know, the point I'm trying to make to you is you want to make sure you stay home. But I know I'm rambling on, but basically, you know, the point I'm trying to make is um, um, what I'm trying to, you know, to, to, you know, answer your question. I have been on YouTube for a long time. And now I'm at a crossroads because, you know, what me and you talked about before is I just feel boxing media is trash. Like, not all. <laughs> not all. Not all. But a lot. A but, lot. Yeah. But, but as I was listening, you know, um, um, before, we don't have that unity. Like, for example, look at the UFC. Look at their media. We don't get, like, we don't have that type of shit, like, where, you, from, from my understanding, you don't see people stepping out of line and overstepping boundaries with fighters and all that shit over there. You know, because they don't tolerate it to where here in boxing media, what do you have? You know, you have people who just say whatever they want with no type of repercussions or just what the fuck. You know? Yeah, I'm with you, but man. Go ahead, man. I don't want to take over your show. You know I No, talk. dude, you're here because I want you to take over. Don't worry, guys. We're going to get into it. It's a lot. But uh, I, mm-hmm. I really want to – I wanted to talk to you specifically about the fight media and quote-unquote new media and all this shit. Guys, for those of you – again, I think – I'm just looking here at the live chat – Gail Falkenthal with the Super Chat Pledge. She says, amen, brother. <laughs> she's definitely on board. Uh, Gail's, she, Gail knows her shit. Uh, she's really, really just, uh, she was on the show a couple weeks back. And um, one of the people I respect most in the business. But I'm just looking here at the chat. Most of the people here uh, know your work already. But for the people who don't, guys, make sure that you follow Terrell. Because it, even if you go, like, your Facebook cracks me up, man. Like, one thing that you're really good at that I'm trying to do better about is you post a lot. You post a lot of stuff. And one thing that you do that I also do as well and try to do, particularly on Twitter, it's not just boxing. You'll tweet out jokes. You'll tweet out things about pop culture, about politics, whatever it is. And because you do that, I know that you offend some people. You rub some people the wrong way, particularly the overly, overly sensitive types. But you are just being yourself and you're putting it out there. You're not putting on a face. You're not putting on an image or anything like that. It's one of the things I've always really respected about you, man. Uh, some of your profile pics on Facebook are fucking hilarious. The photoshops and everything else. But uh, to go back to your point about us upper respiratory stuff with uh, COVID-19. Yeah, um, guys, I mean, full disclosure, my mother has lupus and she has respiratory issues. So she's right in the wheelhouse as far as somebody that is... Uh, very susceptible to this disease. Um, look, when it first started, I was pretty vocal saying, man, we can't all be living scared. You know, we got to go out and do shit. We got to go out and work and make money. But, and I still agree with that to a degree, but you got to be smart about this shit. You just got to be smart about it. And now we're in a stage where it's affecting everybody in different ways. So um, anyway, all right, tangent. Brother, let's talk about YouTube, Okay. A lot of people know me, particularly younger fans. They know me as a YouTuber guy, but I've, I was a boxing writer 15 years ago, and I just started doing YouTube a few years ago. And when I did, uh, you were one of the guys I looked to 
as someone I wanted to emulate because of your style, because of the way you put it all out there, you give your opinions, and you, you're consistent about it. You don't change the, the way you grade things or break things down dependent on you know the platform a fighter's on or what nation he's from. You keep it consistent. And because you do that, again, you ruffle feathers and piss people off. But if you are consistent enough, you're going to piss everybody off at some point. When I first got involved... The term that I always heard on YouTube was was the YTBC, the YouTube boxing community. That was the beginning. That was the beginning, right? And then at some point, it turned into this thing called the LDBC, which is just a part of the YouTube community. And that's the Lion's Den boxing community. Now, I want to ask you, when did that happen? Why did it happen? And when did it become, really, really start to turn over the last year or so, it seems, into this cult where now even members of the LDBC are beefing with each other and we've seen some fighters calling them out. Ishe Smith. If you guys are not following Ishe Smith on Twitter right now, you need to. He's fucking hilarious. And he's been battling Fred Hawthorne who's one of these guys on the LDBC. Uh, but anyway, man, if you can, can you give a little bit of like the background since you were there and you saw this, like the evolution of, of YouTube boxing? Well, now it's the worst that it's ever been. And it's just going to, it's just completely. That's what I was going to ask you. So you, you really would say it's worse now than it's ever been. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, basically it, it really started, I guess, you know, with the whole swing of the LDBC part. It really, from the um, uh, YouTube boxing community to the LDBC part, it really, I'm going to say, around the beginning of uh, when PBC first started. Okay, dude, and I was going to ask you about that. Okay, okay. Sorry to interrupt around, you. I just Sorry to interrupt you, but that, yeah, that seems know, to me, that time of, that's when it started, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the end of the, uh, you know, the Mayweather, you know, era of, you know, the Pacquiao and Berto. And then, you know, the creation of the PBC, that's that's where it all started. And it really all started from a hand, you know, like fewer people. Now, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to bring these people names up. They already know who they are. They already know I've been very, very vocal about this shit from the very beginning. I've met many of them in person, worked many with, with pretty much all of them, all of the ones that are out in the field. I've worked with them in person, had some type of conversation in some type of capacity, in, in some capacity whatsoever. So they know me. It's not a situation where I'm on here talking and they like, oh, well, you know, we don't ever see. They know me. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is this, like, they know how I feel about it. I think it's a scam. Yeah. You know, I look at it like if, if, we're, if we're being honest, their fan base they can't go against. So once they say something about a fighter, especially if a fighter is not a black fighter, they have to continue with it. And then and then it, it's that trickle down effect of all the people that are under them, the other YouTubers, those smaller ones, they got to go with the shit too. You know, because they're hoping that, well, if they're making all this money from the super, te- super chat and shit up there, then I'm going to do a video after them and add some new fucking shit on top of it. And I'm going to get some super chat, too. And then it trickles down. And before you know it, you got this whole army of YouTube channels just fucking saying just bullshit. Basically shit that can't be really, really validated. Now, I know we, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we can go on all day about uh, Fury versus uh, Wilder 3. But here's the biggest thing, you know, um, issue I have is how do you create narratives from nothing? 
from a fight from over a year ago where the person you're trying to defend hasn't said shit. He's quiet. Yeah. So this is this is how bad it's got where they can just say whatever they want, go to, you know, fighters' faces, be around the managers, be around the promoters, smile all in their face, then go back to their channels and shit, and they be like, this person's a racist, that person's a racist, this, that, this, and that. None of it makes sense. Like, and honestly, like, I really feel like the people that have been in charge have created this problem because they kept allowing these motherfuckers in. Like I said, you don't yeah. see this shit happening in the UFC. You don't see it happening in the fucking NBA, in the NFL, and other sports where you got media on a big platform like YouTube, a whole big pocket of them, who call themselves media. They have access to the events, just, you know, just creating just bullshit racial-ass narratives for money. That shit is weird to me. Yeah, man, I, I've always asked myself, does this exist in other sports? And I, I mean, it has to, right? I'm sure it exists in other sports to a certain degree. The difference is if there's a, there's a let's say, a group of people on the NBA that only talk about white NBA players and bash all the black NBA players, I am quite sure that they're not getting media access to NBA games. Or if a couple of them sneak in, they eventually get called out. The one thing with the LDBC people is it really it really did seem to pop up around the time that the PBC was starting. And there were guys like me on the fight beat in L.A., which is the mecca of, of boxing in North America now. It's not New York. It's Los Angeles. And being on the beat and being at all the press conferences, including the PBC ones, I started to notice some trends. And I spoke up about it. Some of my colleagues did too. And we were labeled all those names, racist, this, that, the other. They ignore all the work we do with people of every stripe, but they will pick and choose what tweet to post. I still got guys out there that save screen tweets of mine from over a year ago and purposely take it out of context to try to paint me a certain way. It happens all the time. And these younger fans buy into this shit. I just, man, I've always felt just based on what I saw, that the PBC didn't create the monster. Not at all, and I would never suggest that. But there were some people at the PBC that were friends with some of these people in the LDBC. It would give them press credentials, would get them access to these events because the PBC needed people to promote their shows. And I do think there were certain elements in the PBC that they were trying to market to. And so there were favors being done there. And this shit happens, I should I should state, it's it's 2020, so I have to preface everything. This shit happens in every walk of life. Every promoter does this to a degree. Every platform. Hell yeah. People Hell do puff yeah. pieces for every, it goes every single direction. But in American boxing over the last few years, I just, man, I've just seen it happen more and more on one side than the rest. Am I way off on this? Or is it happening more in one direction? And is it because these guys are making money and that's why they're going down that road? I mean, to, to really, like, don't get me wrong. The, like you said, you know, the, you know, the people who are in charge of the credentials and all that, yes, they, they have been aiding in it. They were, or at least, you know, from my understanding, they've woken up a little bit. I'm going to leave that at that part. But from what I can see is that, when it was going on, or when it, when it first, like when that first whole movement started from the YouTube boxing community to the LDBC and all of their guys under it, now let me say this, there is some good people in there. Absolutely. Actually, some of them are not with the LDBC movement anymore because they don't want to be stuck in that box. I've talked to some of them 
you know, on the phone where they've reached out and said, like, damn, like, just because I didn't agree with this, motherfuckers then turned on me, you know, and and now they call me all kind of coons and all kind of shit like that because right. I don't agree with the shit that they, you know, that they're spewing. Now, in my case, I'm going to say it really, really started with me when I was like, yo, Prime Pacquiao could beat Mayweather. That was when it started with me, like, oh, you're going against, you know, like your race, like, you know, and then when Adrian Broner had lost to Marcus McDonald because they tried to pass that shit on to him. Like, oh, he's going to be our new guy, kind of like, you know, Deontay Wilder. Like, you know, right now where they can't really accept, like, yo, the motherfucking man lost. It ain't no motherfucking racial conspiracy. Like, and if y'all touting this conspiracy shit, then where is Deontay Wilder at? But to get back to the point I was trying to make is that I, obviously, there's racism in boxing. Like you said, it's 2020. It's a shame that we got to say that shit, that we got to put disclaimers out there, or people are so fucking dumb, and you got to dumb yourself down. They'd be like, well, you know, <laughs> let me make sure I say this, just in case they get fucking, you know, like, offended. But every time a boxer comes along, and it seems as though, you know, it's a black boxer, when that black boxer loses, that these that these uh youtubers ldbc or or youtube box community um support when that boxer loses they don't know how to take it they got to blame somebody else when the fighter usually is not blaming somebody else yeah man it's 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 crazy you know and i get it the you know, pressure you know, they put on these say, guys you know, well, yeah you know you, you know what they're going to say well you know like mexicans go for mexicans yeah we get it white fighters um um, um white people go for white fighters we get all that shit but sometimes that shit is taken way too far to the extreme. And then somebody like me, they don't like when I call that shit out, you know, because I don't give a fuck. My life is the same. I, I do videos and I, don't, I, I had to learn a long time ago. You can't care what people think about you. If you're going to be, if you're going to be in this business. Yeah. If you, know? you, so if you, you put gotta, yourself you out gotta, there at all, you can't care what people yeah. think about you in any entertainment platform or art platform, anything like that. Here's the difference though, bro. If somebody like myself or some of my other colleagues, you know, um, back at Undisputed Champion Network, Ring Magazine, whatever it is, we would call out some of these guys. And I can't uh, say it. No, you can't because you're going to be a racist. Well, we're called a racist, right? But but if you, you do you it, can. they can't call you a racist. They call you a coon. What's so funny yeah, though coon. is, dude, I've criticized <laughs> Eastern European fighters. British, white British fighters. I've been called racist against Russians. I've been called racist against British people. I've been called racist against Mexicans, even though Mexican isn't a race. There's white Mexicans, Native American Mexicans. There's even black Mexicans. I've been called racist against Asians, even though I'm engaged to one, because I had the audacity to say Floyd Mayweather clearly beat Manny Pacquiao. This shit goes in all directions. But again, I see it coming more and more and more from one place more than anything else and if you just speak about it honestly maybe it's because we're in 2020 you just get trashed and there's really nothing you could do like i used to try to reason with people and now i just block them and just ignore this shit but sometimes you do get caught up in shouting matches recently do when um when uh we had the wilder fury rematch i put out a tweet just saying as a lifelong boxing guy, thank you to the Mexican fans and to the British fans because you guys are keeping the sport going. Without you, our sport would be almost dead. And most people enjoyed that tweet. I wasn't bashing everybody else. But, dude, I got put on some uh, some website. It was shared on some black, black activist website. 
the next day, and I started getting hit by all these people saying my tweet was racist against black people because I was saying thank you to the Mexican fans and British fans, which again, that's two nationalities. That's not two races. There are tons of black British fans because they call into my show every week. (laughs) Somehow that was construed as being racist against black people because I didn't include them in the tweet. I didn't include Italian people in the tweet. I didn't include Jewish people. I didn't include a lot of people, Asian people. But just why is it that this stuff is getting worse now when we have all this social media? People could go on Google. They could do research. They could find out how stupid this Glovegate theory is and all this shit, yet they don't. How is it getting worse now when we have more information? Do you have That's any thoughts called, on that? It's called, a, it, it's called I, don't, I don't know what it's called, like a phenomenon <laughs> or whatever. I think it's like, to me, it's confusing because, you know, to get back on that, it's hard for me to make up narratives and stories for a man like Wilder's not saying shit. You know, and, and what I find, like, fascinating, and I do find it compelling that you have these thousands and thousands of people who are watching these YouTube videos every day donating hundreds and hundreds of dollars and they won't go research it themselves a guy like um um that youtuber i'm not going to say his name time out the the young pretty much has been starting all his glove game shit yeah yeah yeah, not even a boxing youtuber knows nothing about boxing and he does a few videos pull out footage from uh, a fight from over a year ago mind you of everything that we know that the gloves have to go through to get onto the fighter's hands, but yet they just ran with it. Why? Because they couldn't accept that this man, who, by the way, hasn't said anything, you know, since this whole coronavirus shit broke out, who is saying he's our king, they couldn't accept that he lost. Like that, and I like that crazy. Like, you know, and the problem I have with him as a fighter is that he really influenced a lot of this shit by giving a lot of these guys the platform yeah. And he ain't really never been like that from, from what people know about him. He grew up like that. And now he missed the, like, you know, the black king lion and all that shit. I can't stand it. Like, yeah, I, no, I know. Uh, I can't wait until he comes back because the pressure is going to be on him. And I want to hear what he's got to say about this old ass um, um, year old footage. Yeah, I would, you know, you and I talked on the phone last week a little bit about some of this and, um, we brought up Deontay's name, and I think you you have to bring up his name. And a, a lot of people have accused me of bashing Deontay unfairly or um, going a little too hard and rejoicing in the fact that he lost. I, I have nothing against Deontay he's Wilder as a human being, but he, he fed champion. this monster. Did he not? Did he not feed the the whole yes. to this day shit? Did he not racialize the fights with Tyson Fury when he when he did that? Yeah, he tried to. And Tyson Fury when he was kind of baited into a racial question by Jason Whitlock before the rematch, he said, hell no, I ain't going there. That's the difference in how these two guys have handled this. I think it does say a lot, though. You alluded to this. Fury talked about the 45-pound suit and all the telepathy between Durrell and Mark Breland and all this, but he ain't said shit about Glovegate. He ain't said shit about it, and that tells you all you need to know about Glovegate. There's nothing there. If I were Deontay Wilder, though, I'd put out a video on social saying, guys, stop doing this shit. There's nothing to it. Just support me in a third fight, buy the pay-per-view, buy tickets to that fight, 
in the meantime, stay safe, blah, 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 blah. But there's been nothing. There's been absolute radio silence. And I just think that, look, dude, we could go down a list of fighters that feed into the crazy narratives, that feed into the bullshit, again, from all walks of life. But I think you have to hold some people accountable. And to me, Deontay Wilder racialized those fights to a certain degree. Now, did he take it as far as some of these other guys on YouTube? Did he make it a race war? No, obviously not. Deontay Wilder's not that kind of guy. But if if we're going to blame other fighters, right now, Billy Joe Saunders just got suspended by the British Commission, right, for making a joke about hitting women. Now, what he said was fucking stupid and ridiculous. And if they want to suspend him, I fully support that. I think what they're doing is an empty gesture. But this dude got suspended for saying words, right, like that. Compare that to some of the things Deontay Wilder has said. Zero outrage. I just think there's a double yeah. standard sometimes, bro. Yeah, well, well, you know, it's, it's, it's this soft-ass generation we're in. You can't say shit. In regards to the Billy Joe Sanders, let me just touch on that a little bit. He, he know better, you know. And the thing is, like, with his reputation, if it was somebody else, they probably wouldn't have did it. I got to be honest with you. It depends. It depends. But he has a very, very, you know, crazy relationship with them. Yeah, You know, but in this day and age, you can't be putting shit like that out. But I do feel that in regards to free speech, you can't just go, you know, taking away, you know, people's livelihood of, over some shit they saying and joking around, especially when we know he's not a messianic comedian, you know, but you got comedians, that's what they do. Like, exactly. it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a slippery ass slope. I agree. But in this day and age, you can't, you can't really, like, it's a shame, you know, especially with how people take shit. Um, to heart and turn it into what they want it to be, you know, you can't really say shit. You know, I had to learn the hard way. Like, that's how that's how life is these days. You know, people are going to take, you know, things you're going to say, especially somebody like me, big black man who does loud YouTube videos. They think I'm this crazy person in public. You <laughs> see what I'm saying? That's just how life is. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, look, I, I am a big supporter of free speech, you know, unless you're outright um, – doing something libelous or uh, or which people do to me on Twitter all the time or you're, you're threatening somebody. I am a huge supporter of free speech, but sometimes that free speech will get your ass in trouble. I've learned that the hard way. I've tweeted things that I look back, I'm like, I shouldn't have tweeted that. I've said things, I shouldn't have said it that way. I could have said this better. But you're supposed to learn from those mistakes and do better. Um, you know, if, if also go ahead. The, the touch on free speech, to go back to the media thing, that's where, you know, it's a double-edged sword because you do have a lot of the YouTubers that we're talking about that have that free speech and they don't do nothing good with it. Just make up shit to make money. That's exactly you know? where and, I was going. Yeah. You know, it's been going on right now so long is that they have nothing else to really grasp. That That's what they do. You know, that's what they're known for. And you got to think about how many young boxing fans that they are influencing with this bullshit exactly so you know they have younger boxing fans or younger inspiring media members that are watching them thinking like hey wait a minute i'm gonna start my youtube channel and you know i'm gonna start talking about the same stuff that they're talking about and you know i'm gonna go with that narrative oh wait you know i can't go with the white boxer every time a white or a mexican boxer or whatever other race go with a fights a black fighter i have to always go with the black fighter. And it's a shame because you would see in certain fights where, and, and I, would, I, I would go to their channels just to troll for fun. They all block me, by the way. You know, where I say, I'll say, well, I can't wait to see. I can't remember the last fight 
where it was a clear-cut winner. Not, I mean, obviously not Wilder Fury. Well, they was crying that night too, you know, before the glove gate shit started. But I was like, I can't wait to see what type of bullshit narratives they they make up for when this fighter loses. And sometimes it just would be completely, totally just like ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's you like know, tabloid shit. Be, you know, just not, yeah, just not to give the fighter like credit. Like it's also know, it's also it's, dude. Sometimes they will. So like sometimes they'll go against a black fighter just because of the promoter he's with. Like they'll they'll the diss promoter. Terrence Crawford. They'll diss Anthony Joshua. Caleb Plant's I right for a fill in the blank because he's with PBC. And, yeah, and they'll, yeah, they'll pull yeah. that kind of shit too. And it's like, oh, see, we're fair because we like Caleb Plant. Yeah, yeah but Caleb Plant cool. Yeah, Caleb Plant's <laughs> cool. <laughs> so yeah. I see, and again, guys, I it's it's 2020, so I have to keep saying this. It goes in all directions, okay? It does go in all directions. Uh, but the thing with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, what's the most interesting part to me, nobody was bringing up the gloves. Nobody was bringing up Fury being a quote-unquote dirty fighter. None of this after the first fight, even up to the day before the second fight, because they needed Tyson Fury to look like a good win for Deontay Wilder, right? When that backfired on them, they freaked the fuck out. And one of my Patreon guys uh, last week made a great point. It's It's such a great point. I can't believe I haven't thought of it before. It's like the 2016 election. And guys, I'm a political independent. I'm not trying to say one way or the other. I didn't vote for either of the two motherfuckers in the last election. But everyone thought one person was going to win. Everyone. And when that person didn't win, the entire press corps and 50% of the country lost their fucking mind. And for two, three years, it was conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory to try to explain what happened. Because they could not accept what happened? Some of you on the chat right now, just based off what I'm saying, will start going nuts just because of me bringing that up. I just think that's the way this this Fury Wilder thing happened, and it almost you know we need the third fight now because of these motherfuckers because that third fight could finally shut everyone up. If uh, if Fury wins again, I think finally people will find a new subject to move on to. By then, Tank will have beat. Leo Santa Cruz, and they'll start talking about Tank versus Loma, and that will be the new one. It always seems like there yeah, has be the to be one, one yeah. though, right? That's going to be the new yeah. one. But, well, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, um, what you were talking about earlier in the show is that right now, you know, boxing content creators or just content creators in general in sports, you know, it's not like, you know, with its movies where, you know, movies are coming out and people can do their videos with movies or, or um, Netflix documentaries. With um, boxing right now, there's no storyline. You know, there's no real, real, like, storylines as in weekly because we don't have fights. We got to, you know, rely on, well, this may happen. This might be coming up. This got canceled. The Billy Joe Saunders story. So what you're seeing is that you have people that have quit their jobs, that have made so much money off of YouTube, have quit their day job, have made so much money off of YouTube from narratives and storylines and building that fan base and building that base up of all off of those super chats and spreading, you know, that, you know, no fighters are good except the black fighters or the ones that we accept because they're with the black promoter. Like it's a shame it's gotta be that way, but right now, I expect, especially over the next couple of months, for it to get worse. And imagine, where's Deontay Wilder right now? 
what pressure does he have on his shoulders when he comes back? Because you got to think this might be going well for him because they were trying, from my understanding, rumors were that, you know, Finkel and the Wilder side, they wanted, you know, July 18th was just too soon. They wanted him back. It was never going to be July. It was always always October. Yeah, even if an injury came up or whatever the case may have been, I didn't expect for that fight, you know, to take place during, um, you know, this summer. But when Wilder comes back, imagine all the pressure he's going to have on his shoulders. Exactly, You know, the dude. first thing people are going to ask him is, okay, well, can you put it into this glove stuff? You can't tell me somebody, you know, his handlers are not talking to him every day, making sure that he's going to know how to answer all of these questions when he comes back. Yeah, the I, pressure I is high. And me personally, I like Deontay Wilder. We all know he has a puncher's chance, but I don't, I don't have him winning the third fight. Yeah, I think it'll be you more know, competitive than a lot of people think. I think it's probably going to go the distance or at least into the late rounds. But I think it'll be more competitive than the second fight. But the amount of pressure that is put on Deontay, and, and look, I've been, I've been uh, I think, fair, but I've been very firm with Deontay that he is somewhat responsible for putting some of this shit on himself. But at the same time, he's not responsible for representing his entire race going into the fight with Tyson Fury. And that was put on him by a lot of his fans. The amount of pressure that was put on that guy. And now with the glove gate and everything else, he's not saying all this. He didn't make all this up. But that's going to be put on him before that third fight. And that's really unfair. That's the biggest thing These, uh, these some of these YouTuber guys don't understand. Beyond dividing up the sport and creating a bunch of beefs and nonsense that really don't exist labeling a bunch of people a bunch of things that they really are not doing that for profit which is i mean the the nastiest most fucked up kind of person you can be beyond that they're actually hurting the fighters in the end because they're putting a certain amount of pressure on these guys that they don't deserve and that they can't possibly live up to and i just think that's unfair uh t street can we take some calls man are you cool with talking to some guys yeah 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 all right yeah yeah I appreciate it, bro. Uh, let's. I think this is Mark right here. Is this Mark in Ireland? No, no, it's Lawrence from London. Lawrence from London. What's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. A um, couple of things. Uh, I think I'll start with the Billy Joe story because I'm a bit torn. And what he said was disgusting. But, you know, I thought back to... Uh, Floyd Mayweather, when he was actually convicted of actual domestic violence, and Nevada allowed him to have his fight for money, essentially. Yeah. And the sort of comparison between, you know, suspending a boxer for telling a joke in bad taste and allowing a convicted domestic violence criminal to go ahead with his fight before he, you know, supporting him essentially is is so vast that. You know, I can't really support. I know it's two different sanctioning bodies, etc. I can't really get on side with. Yeah, ban um, Billy Joe. It's so terrible when we've got all of this quite awful stuff on the other hand. That's a great point, man. And um, Lou DeBella actually, I was talking with him a little bit on Twitter. We had a little bit of a back and forth today because I tweeted about the Billy Joe Saunders thing, and he brought up the fact that yeah, here in the USA, man, anything flies. I mean. You talk about that Nevada commission. Dude, they sanctioned a fight between Floyd and a guy who had never boxed before, right? And that was a massive fight. I mean, I get yeah. why I did it, but yeah, Floyd yeah. Floyd was basically the economy of Nevada, the same way LeBron James was the economy yeah. of Ohio for so many years, right? So it all comes down to money. 
Yeah, but yeah. Um, I told Lou, I think it's the money, NFL yeah. gives boxing a run for its money because the NFL, uh, they, there's a ton of guys there too that have done shit. The Major League Baseball, all of it. Uh, but yeah, man, it's a slippery slope, as T Street said, man, with speech. Because look, yeah, if you want to suspend a dude for six months, I, didn't Adrian Broner get suspended? I think by the WBC for saying something stupid too. Um, but if you're going to start censoring people for speech, Dude, we could get into a really, really tough place. I don't know. Terrell, do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. You know, I, like Billy Joe Saunders' reputation, you know, also. You know, as I said earlier, I don't know if it was another boxer if they would have came down so hard on him. You know, so he's got a pretty, you know, yeah, like, like, like colored reputation with them, you know? So that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's he's almost like uh, um, he's the Irish traveler version of uh, Adrian Broner. He hasn't been arrested as many times, but he's said a lot of dumb shit over the years. Billy Joe Saunders, is, he's just a douchebag. He says a lot of stupid shit. Sometimes it's yeah. funny. Sometimes it's not. Me, I got a sick sense of humor. I have a really dark sense of humor. Those of you who follow me on Twitter, you know that. I joke around about shit. I tweeted something this weekend about the, the character from Something About Mary, Warren. The handicapped dude, heavyweight mythical matchup between him and Sloth from the Goonies. That shit's funny to me. But a lot of people private messaged me and said, Mike, you should delete this. This is offensive. And I'm like, damn. But everyone's yeah. sense of humor is different, right? Yeah, uh, remember yeah. when um, Billy Joe, remember when Billy Joe, um, and I think, who was it in the car when he, when he had offered a lady of the night some crack cocaine to attack <laughs> yeah. somebody on the street? Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I remember you know, so when Billy Joe Saunders' kid punched. Who did this kid punch in the nuts? Oh, yeah. Um, it wasn't Monroe. David Lemieux. That yeah. was Willie Monroe. It was Willie it was Monroe. Monroe. Willie Monroe in the nuts. Yeah. I remember yeah, seeing you know. that. And I'm like, <laughs> I just stopped back. If I, if I punched another, if I was a little boy, when I was a little boy and I punched a grown man in the nuts, my dad would have beat the shit out of me on the spot. Yeah. Nando's chicken incident. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's got a pretty checkered, you know. So you look at the way he's raising his kids. If his kid's punching another man in the nuts and he knows he nothing's going to happen. In fact, Billy Joe kind of giggled a little bit. I mean, you could just tell. Yeah, the yeah. dude's got a little bit of a screw loose. Not really a good guy. Yeah. So um, maybe yeah. that's why he got suspended. But here's my thing. The BBBFC, which is dog shit, if they suspend him for three months, that don't mean shit. Even if you suspend him for six months, it don't mean shit right now. Even if they suspend him for a year, dude could still come over here and fight in the United States. So I don't know what's going to yeah, come from this. That's what I was this. thinking. You yeah, know, it's an empty if, gesture. If the Canelo fight was over here, like, how does that affect? You know, I don't get that part. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I, I just think it's an empty gesture, uh, bro. I'm gonna. Um, you got one last? You got any more uh, uh, questions? More or? Quick thing. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So on on the on on Deontay Wilder, um, personally, I don't I don't really like his persona. And I, I sort of give him more, I accuse him more than you do in terms of, you know, setting that stage of sort of turning it into a quasi-racial fight. Um, even after the second fight, he sort of put out this weird video, your king will rise again, that sort of thing. And he's really playing into it. Um, I really feel like the pressure that he's now gotten himself to represent a group of people, a race, he's, if anything, doubling down. I don't know what the king will rise again language means. I'm black myself. And I feel like, personally, it's a bit of a... He's saying he's our king, bro. He's saying he's our king. 
I mean, I don't like it because it's, it seems very, seems very. I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll let you two guys like talk this out. I'll pull back so because <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, no one no one signed him. Uh, you know, the Black Panther suit. He didn't win it in uh, in combat. So I I just find it like a, a very weird angle to go for, and he seems to be doubling down. So all the pressure that comes with that, he's he's put put on his own shoulders, and um. You know what he's like with wearing heavy suits. Yeah, look, you know, T Street, again, we, when we talked last week a little bit about Deontay, I think we both agree with this. Deontay's really not that guy because I met Deontay back in like 2014, maybe it's 2013, 2013, 2014 for the first time. And he was this sweet, humble country boy that was just the nicest guy. And totally just uh, open and welcoming. Um, I, I talked with him. My fiance talked with him, took a picture with him. And he is completely changed. And I don't know if he's trying to build a character. And look, that character has helped him make a lot of money. I just don't know. My thing is this. If you're building this character and you're going to do that, you're going to go that route, cool. Own it. You can't do that, though, and then turn around five minutes later in some interviews and say, man, I ain't getting the love, the mainstream love, because of my race. Uh, you know, five minutes after saying, I want a body on my record, and to this day, you can't say, you can't turn around and say, I ain't getting the mainstream love. If I was a, if I was a white guy or an Asian guy, or that, I'd be getting all the love. Don't know, dude. It's because you're, you're saying douchey shit. Billy Joe Saunders ain't getting the mainstream love either because he's saying douchey shit. It's it's just what happens. It's par for the course. It doesn't matter where you come from. Am I off base on that, guys, or, or is that am I somewhere? Well, right now, I mean, listen, he listen, he uh, he's saying he's our king. You know, he's been insinuating he's like you know, or, or trying to portray to us like he's going to be our Muhammad Ali and all that oh type my God. shit. <sighs> like he's been putting this pressure on him, and now. In the time of crisis, I'm going to say, like, my biggest issue, and people got bent out of shape with uh, uh, me about something I posted. Like, you know, why is Deontay Wilder not said nothing? Our last video, you saying you are a king, but yet, right now, where are you at? You know, give us yeah. some toilet paper or something. You know, anything. <laughs> like, seriously. You know, I, like, he put, he, put, he put all this on his Toilet paper is white, bro. He can't be giving people that shit. Yeah. He got to do something. He got to do something. You know, you can't just disappear like that. I'm sorry, and then think you're going to try to pop back up to try to get our money. Like the whole everything is shut down right now. You know, he's yeah. supposed to be doing I, something. I, I, in my in my personal opinion, he's supposed to be doing something. That's the, the key um, because it's all vacuous. It's a, it's an image. It's a act, and. I kind of find it offensive because not one video, my things, bad. You should Good. you should back it up. Not one video of him saying, "Hey guys, wash your hands, stay in the house." That's it. Ten seconds. That's it. You can't yeah. hear. Yeah, yeah. Wash that's your a hands, good point. And we'll be back. Yeah. All right, bro. I'm going to go to some more callers. All right, man. That's, thank you for your call, my man. Yeah, that's all I had. Thanks very much. All right, thank yeah. you. Have a good Bye, night. Man. Let's uh, jump to a couple more callers here. Uh, all right, 512. 512, you're on TNC. Go. Oh, what's up, guys? How are you guys doing today? Good. Uh-huh. Chilling. I just have two questions, and I'll, pro- I'll probably jump off because I know there are plenty of people calling in as well. Um, so I'll start with uh, what do you guys think about Khan Zhu 
Amir Khan versus Kosh Jazu? Like you're talking like uh, mythical matchup? No, you're oh, talking about. Uh, uh, we, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're talking about um, um, Kanzu, 126. He, okay, Leo oh, Santa Cruz oh. is the WBA Super World at 126. I don't know if Leo Santa Cruz is still holding on to that belt, you know, He's or not. if Kanzu, you know, has been elevated. But right now, from my understanding, Josh Warrington and Kanzu are supposed to be fighting, correct? Yes, I. that's what I've heard, though, but nothing really official since everything else is getting canceled. So I really like that matchup, though. I think it's probably going to be another war. Yeah, because, what, well, for one, Kanzu is um, 18 and eighteen and 2 with three KOs. He's not really known as a knockout puncher. So, yeah, in my opinion, they're going to be throwing a whole bunch of punches. But oh, yeah, I don't um, think that yeah, it's... Uh, it might end up being a fight of the year on that type, you know, on that type angle, but they're not both both of them are not known as being like knockout guys. That's true. No one in one twenty six right now. There's no really there's no big punchers at all. The only puncher I see is Shakur Stevenson. And he's not like a knockout artist or anything like that. No. It's just unfortunate because I mean, all these guys at the top, they have low knockout ratios and no one really cares about 126 because of that. And I think featherweight is a very underrated division. I, I, I've come to love that division ever since I started watching Kanzu's fight. He's, he's a really underrated fighter. That guy can throw a lot of punches and he can take yeah. a lot too. Crazy volume. Yeah, but one, 126 is like, you know, it's, it's kind of all over the place because you got Gary Russell. I was at his fight when he fought our tough student in the NBR. He's the WBC champion at 126. He doesn't really know what he's going to do, but he's pretty much saying whenever he does come back that he is going to vacate. You know, you got Khan Ju right there, you know, WBA world, and you got Leo Santa Cruz just pretty much holding on to that WBA super world. Josh Warrington is the IBF, and then you got Shakur Stevenson versus, I mean, the WBL. So in a perfect world, the winner of Warrington and Ju should fight the winner or there has been some type of talk, from my understanding, to fight the winner of Secure Stevenson versus who was he supposed to fight again? Miguel Mariaga. Yeah, so I think honestly. Was, sorry, go ahead. And then you can possibly have a uh, three belt unification right there. Sometime, you know, well, whenever boxing, within a year of when boxing picks back up. Oh, that sounds great, but. Um... I don't think either one of them beats uh, Shakur Stevenson, especially Kanzu. That guy has absolutely no defense. I not too long ago I watched his fight, watched his fight against Jesus Rojas, and he took a whole bunch of punches. And I think Shakur Stevenson would piece him up real bad. I think he'd actually stop him, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, he would. But that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, I agree. I think Gary could too. I, I I still, for my money, Gary Russell Jr. is the best featherweight in the world, uh, regardless if he fights this year or not. Again, I don't know. But uh, yeah, Leo Santa Cruz has WBA at 126 and 130. I thought the BA finally had, had stripped him at 26, but they haven't. I'm just checking right now. But he's going to fight Javante Davis at 135 in the fall. That's probably going to be in L.A., when that happens, they're going to have to strip at least one of those titles. I know it's the WBA, but they'll have to eventually strip them. Um, but, it's, I mean, these guys just need to fight each other. 126 was such a solid division for a while. I agree with T-Street. It's all up in the air right now because just you don't know who the top dog is. I like Shakur Stevenson. He's settling into his man strength, but he still hasn't fought nobody. So, you know, they were talking about, remember, him fighting Warrington, and then that kind of fell apart. 
So I just want to see him fight somebody and get over the hump. He needs that kind of like proving ground type of fight. I like Sean Ku or uh, Khan Shu. <laughs> I can't say the name. Uh, <laughs> I like Khan Shu a lot, but he's going to go as far as his chin's going to take him. I mean, that dude blocks punches with his face. He doesn't punch very hard. Crazy output makes for exciting fights. But at some point, he's just going to get chopped up and, and, and beat. That's just the way I see him. What's your other question, yeah, man? So, um, my other question is, at 160 right now, we it's, it's commonly known that Golovkin and Canelo are the big money fights, right? But everybody's forgetting about Riyadh Murata. That guy puts like... Every like he literally sells out stadiums. I mean, fifteen to twenty million people in that tiny island of Japan watches that guy. Nobody, nobody cares about him for some reason. He, he is a monster in that division as well. I think Charlo or Andre should fight that guy straight in Tokyo or something like that. Because that'd be one killer fight in my opinion. I'd but love to see. Apparently, it. no one cares about Asian fighters that much, which is unfortunate. <laughs> so, well, I think here the American fight press is basically all of American media is ethnocentric. It's American focused, right? And people just don't seem to understand that there's this world outside of America called Earth. And people here think LA is a big city. New York's a big city. Tokyo fucking dwarfs it. I've been to Shanghai. Shanghai dwarfs New York and LA, right? Tokyo is a massive market. Shanghai, Beijing, Guangzhou, all these cities over there in that part of the world, uh, Seoul, Hong Kong, big cities, huge markets. So if you have a guy like Ryota Murata, who's not a global superstar, let's be honest, outside of Japan, nobody knows who he is. But in Japan, this dude's pictures are on subways. This dude's pictures are on billboards. He's a name over there. For the life of me, if you're, if you're Charlo or if you're Demetrius Andre, let's stick with Andre because he's the one who complains the most. You know, if, if you're Eddie Hearn, man, why not make a deal with Grandpa Bob? And send Andre over there to fight in the Tokyo Dome in front of 50,000 people and make a ton of fucking money fighting Ryota Murata. That could happen. And if you beat him, you make a ton of money. You also collect what Murata has a piece of one of the titles, I think, the WBA regular. So, you know, that would help build up your brand for Andre or for Charlo. I know that both Canelo and Golovkin's team have talked about it already. Eventually, one of those oh, yeah, guys is going to go over there and take that fight. Why the hell has an Andre or Charlo or one of those guys demanded it? Because that they could make that fight, particularly Andre. It's a makeable fight. Yeah, I know Golovkin was like the first guy at 160, you know, looking for looking for that fight if he had beaten Canelo in their rematch, which I thought was a good fight. But apparently, people think Liada Murata is just a bum, which he isn't. Because I think if Andre isn't careful with him. Murata would actually piece him up real bad. And him and Charlo, that would do monstrous numbers in Japan because Charlo and Murata are both come forward fighters. That would make probably the bloodiest war in 160 right now. I think that's even more brutal than than Triple G versus Devianchenko. Like, actually a lot more brutal since those two guys are much younger than the other two guys that just, that just fought almost a year ago. Yeah, in terms of styles, I mean, Murata makes for fun fights. He's not the <clears throat> best, the most defensively minded fighter. I've had a couple up close looks at him, even when he first went pro. I went to a couple of his first fights. He fought here in the States a couple times, and I was there. He has improved on some things. The one thing about him is he's a little stiff. And against an athletic, quick guy like Charlo, 
like Andre, they could have success against him. At the same time, though, if he could time them and punch with them, he could have success and he could hurt them as well. So I'd love to see any of those fights. Uh, he's just got to, you know, just, well, I was going to say get more active, but right now nobody can be active. At some point, man, they got to fight each other. The, the biggest problem right now at 160, look, we all know Canelo and Golovkin are going to fight each other later this year. That third fight's happening. That's a big part why the zone brought them on. And then particularly Canelo, he's going to wait hop for, for the rest of his career. He's going to be Floyd and do what Floyd did, just higher up the scale. And oh, Gennady's man, really probably going to go to 68 to too. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I really hate that whole weight hopping hopping crap. I know you've spoken a lot about it before, but I've, I don't like it when one guy just stays in the division and he just dominates. Kind of like what Golubkin and Golubkin did, especially Vladimir Klitschko. No, no one's really done that in quite some time. And to me, that's more historic than just jumping, jumping from one weight to another. I just think that's kind of silly. Yeah, but that's what they do now, man. It's opportunistic matchmaking. I'm with you. I like when a guy stays in one division and cleans that shit out. I want to see Marvin Hagler. I want to see what Vladimir Klitschko did. You know, that's the kind of thing I want to see. Someone own a division, be the guy, and run it for a couple years. But that's not going to happen at 60, bro. It's just it's going to be a blown up division for a few years. And it's unfortunate, but that's it, man. Uh, let me uh, let me get another call, bro. All right. Thanks for calling in, man. All right. I appreciate it. All right, you guys have a good day. You too, brother. All right, man. All right. Let's uh, jump on real quick and take another call here. Uh, 3538, you're on TNC. Go. How's it going? What's up, T? What's up, Mike? How's it going? What's up, man? Uh, so, um, yeah, real fast, um, I just want to touch on the real fast on the Warrington Jean Jiu situation. So Eddie Hearn is petitioning for that fight to be for the super title because Santa Cruz has moved up and the WBA have made a statement that uh, he the title will be going vacant. So they're petitioning for Jean Jiu to be up, uh, upgraded. So okay. that's the situation there. So that'll be an actual full unification. They're also trying to petition for the ring magazine belt. And if they do, and Gary Russell isn't involved in the ring magazine title, it's, it just shouldn't happen. So, that's according to Eddie Hearn. So please, Mike, for the love of God, make sure that shit doesn't happen. I, all right. <laughs> I will talk to my people. I'll let them know what you uh, – That I, and I agree with you. I, look, I, I still think Gary Russell Jr. is the number one featherweight right now. He's the top guy. So there cannot be a ring magazine belt on the line if he's not involved in the fight. I'm with you. Yeah, awesome. All right now, as you guys were talking about the the Hallboy TBC and everything, I, I was just listening like with a with a close ear because a, a lot of it rings home to me. Because when I first came into the YouTube boxing community myself, the whole point of me first coming in was for history purposes, and I was originally talking about um, I was actually originally talking about the color line at the start of it. Um, that's what I used to talk about the most: the color line being drawn with John L. Sullivan and guys like. Uh, Charles C. Williams or C. Uh, C. C. Smith, sorry, Charles C. Smith, and how the white guy didn't need the black guy to fight or whatever. And then when I come into the YouTube boxing community, I don't see much of communities or whatever. And then all of a sudden, I'm adulterated with this anti-white brigade, and that's very like alien to me where I'm from. And if I say anything that goes against the black fighter or for a white fighter or anything for a black fighter or against a white fighter. I'm automatically adulterated as racist, you know, and 
as that was growing for me and I started to see the community rise and the unity, I started to see like this fear, this like fear mongering sense of you can't speak as a man on here without being labeled something, whether you're white or you're black or you're yellow or whatever color you wear or your skin or your demographic, where you're from. If you say anything, you'll either be labeled a sellout to your own community. And this is me speaking as a white guy, like who was championing the rights of the black fighter in the origin and in the origins. I was told I was called a token black guy. Right. And then I see people like T and he's dealt with this a lot, who speaks out against, different people who are trying to race bait everything in and whatever. And he gets called a kill. And it's genuinely like just disgraceful, like to, to the point where I don't get it. So like, where did this all like originate from? Like, why is there like, it's like a switch over a hundred years. At first in boxing years and like over a century ago, like with John L. Sullivan, we see the white community segregate itself off from the black fighter and the black fighter get no fucking rights. And now in terms of fandom, in the white TBC, you have the black community segregating themselves off from the white people, yet calling the white people racist while they're doing the same thing the white people did over a century ago. <laughs> so where did that start? <laughs> Bro, I can't even listen. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, and um, as uh, Mike was saying, you know, if you've been looking at what E.J. Smith has been going through, I just look and be like, damn, brother, you just realizing this? You know, and I think like for the other boxers who have been dealing with it, like guys like Andre Ward, it's like, yo, and Timothy Bradley, people, I mean, we all know this because they own the ESPN top ring size, so they're looked at as being racist because they work for Bob Aaron, or not for Bob Aaron, but over on the Bob Aaron side, you know? So, you know, I look at it like, man, like, it's, 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 it's a narrative. Sometime in my heart, I be thinking like, do these people really believe this, or do they just like, like a storyline? Right. You know, like just how they really feel. I know, I know for sure that I really feel in my heart that the YouTubers themselves, I don't feel they believe in all of this stuff. I think they're just doing it to line their pockets and they're surprised themselves that they got so many people following them. You know, but you know how it is, you know, where, you know, weak-minded can be easily influenced, you know, and they found the pocket of people that they can easily influence. There are people out there that want a certain narrative fed to them. There are people out there that have real prejudices. And I don't come from this school that certain people can be prejudiced and certain people can't. That's all bullshit. Everyone can be prejudiced. Everyone has biases. Uh, The real world knows what real racism is. Anyone can be racist, biased, whatever term you want to use. And if there are people out there on the fringes of the internet that want a certain narrative fed. So they will pay money. They will come out of their pocket. They'll, that last $5 in their wallet, they will give it to get a narrative fed because they're so deluded and so biased and they live in such a bubble. They will go and search for a certain media, quote unquote, source that yeah. makes them feel validated. And when they find it, mm-hmm. boom, they're all in and they're giving their money up. And it's not just in boxing. It's in all forms of media. It's the dark side. And I don't mean that racially. It's the dark side. 2020, I have to say that. It's the dark side of social media. It's Social media has done more to lift people up out of poverty. I mean, Facebook's done amazing work in the third world. A lot of social media has helped people have a voice that didn't have one before. It's done more good than bad. But there are bad parts to it. I love the fact that a 15-year-old kid who's interested in boxing, 
could start a YouTube channel and talk into his phone and give his opinions on fights and have a voice. That's that's a voice that a fan, a young fan, didn't have 20, 30, 40 years ago. I love that. But the dark side, the flip side of it is there are some people that can prey upon sheep to make money. And <clears throat> T-Street, you hinted on this with with uh, Ishe Smith, you know, him just learning kind of about the LDBC because one of those guys called him out. So he's been battling with that dude on Twitter. It is interesting to me that for so long, people didn't realize this shit was going on because back in 2014, 2015, 2016, myself, I talked about it. Uh, I'll name a couple of colleagues of mine, Steve Kim, Doug Fisher talked about it in open and honest ways. And we took so much shit for it. And now people are finally starting to catch up. That's the one positive I would say at the same time, you know, I tweeted last Thursday that T Street was going to be on my show. And I saw a couple people, people that follow me and follow him, dude, using calling you coon and saying that you're a sellout for doing my show. And that who is the one guy who said that you're going to talk about your people badly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to get worse. What do you see the dude, I, I, I can't After understand. They watch the video over. I can't understand that fr- that frame of mind, bro. Because why does it always have to be tribal like that? I guess with some people it does. I let me state this for the record: ninety nine percent of black people could give a flying fuck about color, and, and black boxing fans just want to watch boxing. And it's the same thing with Caucasian fight fans, Asian fight fans, with mestizo fight, whatever. Everybody, most people don't give a shit. But there's this community of people. And for some reason, they have a disproportionate amount of power in the American fight media that obsess over this shit. And I want to hit on something real quick, because T-Street, I want your thoughts on this. And Mark, I don't know if you're aware of the term, the demographic, that came out a few years ago. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm aware. Because that's a big thing with the LDBC, and they've jumped on that, and they've used that. It's not a term that's used anymore, but I'm going to just, I want to get T-Street's opinions on it, but... I want to put this out there because I, that's probably going to be brought up after this video gets out there and makes waves. The demographic term, okay, that came up in the fight media in L.A. because people were talking about these. They weren't the LDBC yet. They were just YouTubers that were obsessed with demographics. Everything they said was about demographics. Everything, every narrative, every conspiracy theory, every fight, everything that they looked at was through that prism of demographics. It didn't have to be race. It could be what uh, nationality a fighter was, what what country they were from, what part of the country they were from. But it was always demographics. And that became the running joke. Because let me tell you, some of these guys have pretty big platforms and their videos get out there. And although... The, the power brokers in the sport of boxing don't talk about it. They, they send those videos around. I can tell you I've been in conversations that were on social media and in person where people are like, yo, come here, check this shit out. I'm talking network executives at HBO, Showtime. I'm talking promoters, high-level dudes in the business. We're like, look at this video. Look at what this fucking idiot's saying. And people were laughing and joking about it. And so that term, the demographic, it was basically a play on words, making fun of these people of all races that were obsessed with demographics. That's what that term meant. That was it. 
There was no racial connotation to it. It was ideological. The demographic was an ideology. But it became used as, oh, well, this is racist, blah, blah, blah. So, oh, T Street, what are your thoughts on the whole demographic thing? Well, it was, um, um, you got to look at who was saying it, the people who were starting the narrative. So, of course, if they look at you as the enemy, they're going to be like, oh, well, he shouldn't have never said that. So let's use this turning around on it. Like, that's how, like, you know, I look at it like when I do my videos and when I decide, you know what? I don't like the way this person is representing the boxing community. And sometimes I get like that. Sometimes I'll just be, you know what? I feel like, you know, starting some shit with somebody. This motherfucker's got trash content and he's making my job harder. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a video on him exposing. I'm not going to say no name, but I get like that sometimes. So I know that they can never really, um, like, how can I say, uh, hurt my feelings or get me to a point where, like they make me want to like quit or question if I want to do videos like that again. So when somebody like you or Steve Kim or even um, um, Doug Fisher or whoever says something like that, you got to think that y'all looked at as the establishment, the man. You <laughs> the see what I'm saying? So, yeah, so they're going to try to do, you know, everything in their power to try to twist shit and turn shit around, especially with that's what they do. You know, so I never really, I never really um, um, knew that that was an issue that was going around. I believe I heard it before, or I seen it on Twitter, but I never really knew about it. Yeah, it went but around. For, for sure it, it, it turned into the dummy graphic. That's what you know. People started saying okay. after the demographic caused so much trouble. But even somebody like Doug Fisher, who's who's half black, you know, he, he wrote about it in one of his mailbags. And he just spoke about it honestly, what it was and what it was not. And believe me, there are Caucasian members of the demographic. Some of them have gone after me on Twitter. Uh, so it goes in all directions. Is it predominantly young PBC Floyd fans? And that, yeah, that's primarily where it comes. And is it primarily LDBC guys? Yeah, that's where it, it started. started it, yeah, it started from um, Floyd Mayweather. You know, like basically it was Floyd Mayweather. And then those Floyd Mayweather fans, from my understanding, turned into all boom PBC fans as a whole. And then when PBC first started, we're like, ah, right, we're going to back, back this. Black boxing is taking over. We're going to be everywhere. And, you know, when that shit wasn't going the way that, you know, we all thought, because I was even, um, you know, on the PBC shit, like, yeah, this shit is going to take over. But, you know, that's when the whole narratives really started to try to sell. Like, don't worry, shit going to get better. Shit going to get better. I remember at one point in time, things didn't get better over on the PBC side, you know? So in, in, in my opinion, that's where it really, really started because for a guy like, you know, that's running all this, Al Heyman, you know, he's been given this, you know, kind of like, wow, that they've made him into like this, you know, this black savior when really, I don't think I'll give a fuck from my understanding. He don't understand none of this shit that's going on. You know, so, you know, for... It to be a black man, you know, you know, to be involved with all these boxers, you know, black people as a culture, we were proud. I was like, yeah, you know what? Go ahead, Al Heyman. But then it became like a cult where he could do nothing wrong and nobody wanted to, you know, really tell the truth on our side. That's the way I look at it. Like I was seeing like shit like, wait a minute, he's putting on these bullshit fights and yet he's still getting praised for it. And I'm thinking like, is it a joke or are they just ride with him just because, you know, he he black? But then after a while, I realized, you know, getting to know these people that were doing these videos, I said, wait a minute, they know a lot of these fights were getting trashed, but yet 
they're going to keep on with the narrative, like, okay, well, you know what, we're going to trash that other side and, 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 and just support our side. You know, you have one YouTuber. I know you saw the video where the one YouTuber, the, you know, I'm not going to say that guy's name. I will say he had some issues with a boxing trainer and some shit went down. <laughs> where he actually did a video stating, like we did, you know, pretty much saying we did all this, you know, good press for your side and bad press for the other side intentionally. Yeah. You know, because you were black. He went on the, he went into he the video basically saying, we were on the front line. Exposed the whole thing. And all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then he got mad when his press credential got pulled. He he got really mad. And it just happened to be by a woman who was not black, uh, who runs that side of the thing with PBC. And he really, really went in on her, even though that's the type of woman he likes to date. But, um, well, one of. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, I I think we all know who you're talking about, bro. Um, let me take, can I ask? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mark. We've just been talking over you. Yeah. This is just for, this is just for T. Did you ever find out why he slept with him? What? No, oh, I'm not reading that shit. You <laughs> <laughs> brought that fucking book he wrote? I wouldn't dare, bro. No, bro. Nah, I can't, nah, bro. Man. There's only one copy available, and it's nine hundred and twenty-five dollars. I ain't buying that shit. Oh, it's only one copy available. Yeah, well, if y'all didn't look it up, look up. Uh, I'm not even going to. You, you, he already told you the title. He already told you the title. Yeah, this is one of things going on. Well, apparently, there was one before on that, that, too. Brother. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he fancied himself the big man on campus. He, he wasn't. Uh, I, the thing, I did a lot of looking man. into that person because he went after me. And I still have connections through my old world that I can find out information on people pretty quickly. All I got to do is make a phone call. And the things I learned about that individual honestly made me pity him. Um, the person that he puts on line and the person that is in real life are two very different people. Very different. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask a question real fast? Absolutely. Is, is, has this got anything to do with the fact that he's living off of his wife in a, in a one-bedroom apartment <laughs> and that he's kind of ah, hey. well, that the stuff across the street are boarded up? I've, I've, I've actually <laughs> heard this from someone who lives on his street. Bro, he's a millionaire. So, Shut up. He's a millionaire. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, this is my opinion. This isn't T-Street's or Mike's opinion. That's all. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. We have to put that disclosure out there. So, and, and look, man, I, I don't want to talk bad about somebody because of their situation or whatever. But when you're going after people and you're trying to represent something that you're not, again, T Street, just to go f- full circle about why you were one of the guys I looked at on YouTube and I'm like, I like this dude. I want to emulate his style because I could tell you're just being who you are. You weren't trying to put on a face. You weren't trying to, you know, a lot of guys put on the announcer voice and you got to talk like this. You weren't doing that. You weren't being uh, anybody that you're not. And you're just representing who you are and giving your opinions. And if it uh, if it offends people, fuck them. Right? So that's yeah, the way I am. Now, that, that hurts me in the business. I, you know, my phone doesn't ring as much as it used to. But I, I guess that's just uh, the way these things go, man. I, I guess, I don't know. I, I mean, Mark, you, you're a boxing historian. I know you know, you, you go back and you do a lot of reading um, you're really, really up on your shit when it comes to boxing history and stuff like that. Where are we at right now, in your opinion, in boxing history? Is this a new changing of the guard 
with these kind of people? Or is this like a passing thing that 10 years from now we'll talk about? Remember the LDBC phase? Remember that shit? And kind of, it's like going to be a joke that we'll laugh about. Or is this part of the new beginning? Boxing has never been short of crazy fans. Going all the way back to, way worse than this. Don't forget, there were times where if you were a fan of a specific fighter, you were lynched for it based on race. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there are diff- different periods. You had people being attacked outside of stadiums in the 20s and 30s, not even down to color, but because they liked a specific style of fighter. Even You had people who were put on whispering lists and being told to be quiet during the mob period. So when you go up to this, I like to call this political correctness. You can't say what you like, Eric, pretty much even in a, even in a period of uh, free speech. So when it comes down to the idea of uh, is it a passing at the guard, no, you'll always find fugazis in every area. <laughs> and, uh, so and it's as simple as that. Um, you'll always have them 10 years from now. Um, you'll still have collections of crazy fans cashing in on fighters once there's a platform where you can profitize off of it. As long as there's that platform on social media, you'll have it. Social media just makes it more attainable. I'm glad people are more aware of what's going on with um, this uh, YouTube or social media, boxing media generation, because this has been going on for a good few years, a little longer now, and it wasn't getting no type of um, recognition until people started, you know, calling out Al Heyman, calling out Kelly Swanson, calling out, you know, Andre Ward and executives and all that, you know, so that's why I feel like, well, it's about time you started listening. You know, and wondering yeah. why, you know, and these are the same people, you know, that, you know, are bashing these events, but not paying for them, saying, you know, we're not going to get ESPN Plus. We're not going to get the zone. Don't do it. You know, it's run by the white man. You know, that, that doesn't help the sports. It doesn't help the fighters because obviously these networks and these um, um, streaming services have fighters from all races. Like that shit is, you know, it is counterproductive. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't help. You know, like nobody at the end of the day except the people who are pushing out the narrative that helps their pocket. That's it, man. That's my biggest beef with all of it is that, look, at the end of the day, I don't have to agree with you, your opinion, what you're saying, how you feel, the way, the way you, you chop up the fights, whatever. But if what you're doing is objective, reasonable, logic-based, even if it's not my cup of tea, my style, if it's helping promote the sport of boxing in any way, I support it, even if I don't agree with it. But when you're doing something that is literally poisonous to the community and you're you're indoctrinating young, impressionable fans that don't have uh, the concept of boxing history and, and understand what they're talking about because they just started watching boxing, you know, when Floyd fought Pacquiao. That's when they came to boxing. Or when Deontay Wilder knocked out Arthur Spielka. That's when they started watching boxing, you know. So these are young guys, and they, they don't have a concept of history. And you're flooding their mind with this bullshit. It's not good, man. You're not building fans of the sport. You're building fans of a platform. You're building fans of a fighter. And that can't last. That just can't last. You know. So, Mark, uh, go ahead and get in uh, one last word, and then i got to let you go, man. we got to wrap up the show. Yeah, I highly appreciate it. Um, yeah, T, we'll get this shout out to my favorite president, Lincoln and Kennedy. Take care. <laughs> uh, you watched the video. Ah, uh, shit. That was a great <laughs> video, by the way. Uh, real quick, a couple super chats from B. Butte Man. He asks, will the, w, uh, will the 
WBSS, World Boxing Super Series, Cruiserweight Final happen. Do you think the WBSS will have any future tournaments at any weight? Love your work, Mike. Thank you so much, my man. I appreciate that. Yeah, th- look, the Cruiserweight Finale is going to happen. It was scheduled to happen. They just had to postpone it. So that will happen. As far as a third season, T-Street, what do you think, man? Is this World Boxing Super Series, are you confident? I don't think they got the money for a third season just to keep it for real, for real. Come on. I mean, look what, look at the issues that they had just getting, you know, like they're putting through on an empty gas tank, it seems like, with this last Cruiserway final. Remember what happened with um, uh, Pro Gray yeah. versus um, um, uh, Taylor? You know, that had to be on Sky Sports on a co-feature. Basically, they had to get Derek Tesoro on the card to pretty much push it through. Yeah. You know, so and then with the Donaire and the Noye, you know, you know, saying they didn't get their money till at the last minute. I, I'm not confident in the third season. I'm just not. Yeah, I mean, I want to be because I really like what they did. But especially now, I, I mean, I'm going to say COVID-19, who knows how that may have messed things up. But um, mm. it just the budget for everyone is going to be different now. And if you're a subscription-based service like The Zone, which is what the World Boxing Super Series, you know, the platform is featured on here, how are these subscription services going to survive? How are you going to, in the right mind, how are you going to charge people knowing that they, there's no fucking content? And this little cartoon fights they just had, that's not enough. So, I, I yeah, mm. I don't know about that third season, man. I don't know, and that's a shame. Another super chat from John Uden. Thank you so much, John. He asked, when will any of the champs at 168 finally face off? Will Benavidez still have to face Angulo, or can they jump to the plant fight? Good question. Uh, thank you so much, John. What do you think about that, T-Street? I think, you know, I think they're going to keep the original plans. You know, in a perfect world, I would love to think that they would say, you know what, we're going to scrap all the trash fights or the ones that we didn't want, fans didn't really want to see, and just start fresh. I think they're going to continue with the plans. I think we're still going to see Benavidez versus Roma and Gulo. I just think that everything's, you know, going to get pushed back. And hopefully, one thing I've been concerned about is how many fighters are, going, are, are right out there right now using this Convict 19 to get fat. And, you know, yeah. we don't know what effect this is going to have on a lot of fighters. I've been you know, saying that from the be beginning. Ready for when, for when, for when, you know, a promoter or manager calls them up and say, all right, you know, um, it's time to get back to work. You know, let's get, you know, I don't know. And yeah, then man, with the way I, things are looking, the fighters need an eight-week training camp. Yeah. You know, right now here in the States, things are shut down until at least the end of April. So we may not get any fights until, what, September if we're lucky? Yeah, man, I've been talking to several promoters and several commission people, and basically at best we're going to get club level shows here in the states over the summer i'm talking july they're going to go forward like that um that pbc show from oxon hill maryland that was scrapped uh shakur stevenson's fight that was scrapped in new york you know michael conlon's fight that level of fight that's where we're going to get in july the first real decent fights here in the states are not happening until september and i'm with you they're they're not going to change the plan Errol Spence was going to fight on pay-per-view early in the summer, May or June. That's pushed back till September. He's only fighting once this year, but it's still pay-per-view. Caleb Plant and everything at 168, they were trying to set it up for a pay-per-view fight later down the year, at the end of this year, between him and Benavidez. That ain't happened until next year now. They wanted to do Spence fighting earlier this summer, and then him fight Pacquiao later this year. That ain't happened until next year. 
So the only good, the, the good spot, I guess, the, the bright spot is that this fall schedule is going to be loaded and opening of 2021 is going to be loaded. But you guys are still going to get a lot of those pay-per-views over on the PBC side and including ESPN2. Lomachenko-Lopez, that's pay-per-view. That's definitely going to pay-per-view. Um, but, yeah, man, everything just got pushed Crawford back. Crawford goes through, that's probably going to be pay-per-view because Crawford's got to have a fight. Absolutely. You know, you got to think the promoters are going to want to capitalize and make as much money as possible to close out this year. I'm pretty much sure they're phoning this year in for their fighters to have one fight if they haven't fought already. Yep. Within a four-month period, you're probably going to get five or six of them, man. I hate to say that, but it's very possible. Because with PBC, you're going to get at least three of them. Wilder Fury 3, whatever, regardless of what Bob Arum said originally, the plan was always for that to be in October. That's when that fight's happening. Yeah. So um, that and I got that directly from people tied to the contract. Like That's what it's happening. That's pay-per-view. Uh, Errol Spence is fighting in September. I can't tell you who's going to fight. I think you guys know. But I promised I'd keep you off the record. That's in September. That's pay-per-view. And then in November, there's going to be another PBC pay-per-view. Maybe Manny Pacquiao, someone like that. So that's three right there. And then you're getting two from ESPN. You're getting Crawford and Brooke. And then you're getting Lomachenko-Lopez. So that's five right there. And that sucks. If if they were smart, they'd discount that shit to like $59.99 or whatever. They're not going to. People are not going to have no money. Yeah, dude. This shit's going to be $85 like the rest of them. Those yeah, numbers are going to be no bad. They're going to really do that. Those numbers are going to be really bad. Another super chat pledge from Andre. Thank you so much, man. He he asks, uh, or he says, at this slow times, you guys, Michael, T Street, and Richard Dwyer should do some videos about the best top pound for pound, different divisions, fights, fighters during different decades, eras, all time. Yeah, I like that idea, brother. I like that a lot. Thank you so much for the super chat. And um, I appreciate it, man. But yeah, I mean... <laughs> We, that's the kind of stuff that we need to be doing, right? T Street is just looking at some historical yeah. stuff, right? I know uh, Showtime this weekend they aired uh, the Vasquez Marquez series, the three fights because the fourth fight don't matter, but those three fights are outstanding. We need to see more of that shit. And, and if you're the zone, I get it. You have a library of fights, but dude, put out content. I've been saying forever, the zone needs to bring on podcasts. They need to bring on guys like you and I. Something. T Street. They don't have. They don't have – I don't know what they're thinking, but one thing I've been looking for, for damn sure, I've been looking to see if they're going to charge my card. Oh, fuck you yeah. Know, I got three of those. I got three of those accounts. But so far, you know, I think they're doing the right thing. So far, I haven't been charged. If they go the route of not charging but not letting people know they're not charging, then they don't have to worry about people just mass unsubscribing because right now, look at all the momentum they're going to lose. Yeah. They got, they're going to have to pretty much start fresh. It's it's awful, man, because you know, their fourth quarter last year was outstanding. It it really was. And they can't and they can't start off. They can't put something out and say, Hey guys, you know, um, due to the convict, we're not gonna have no because then people are gonna be like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna unsubscribe now. You know, it sucks for them, but you know, they got you know, for I think that they're gonna roll right into Canelo versus Golugan. They're gonna need something to hit hard. Yeah. Like here in the States, like when when all this is off the ground. Yeah, they can't they can't do the fight between uh Canelo and Saunders because at the very, very earliest, May one is when things are gonna open up. And even then, it's not gonna open up to the point where you can have a crowd. You can open things yeah, up yeah, to where not gonna try. you could do a sound stage, right? 
They need that revenue but from you the know, fans. But you know, Canelo is not fighting on no sound. You know, guys like Canelo no. and guys like Joshua need that gate money. You know, exactly. they're not, you know, lower level fighters, you know, no disrespect, but, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but it's some guys. Like, okay, I'm going to say it. a guy like Demetrius Andre, no offense, but, you know, he can do a studio fight. Ain't nobody going to give a fuck. But a guy like Canelo, you know, he ain't doing no studio fight. He needs right. that ticket money. Right. Yeah, I mean, they need that ticket revenue, especially in Vegas, man, because it's not just the ticket, it's the hotels, the it's it's the packages yeah. with the whales and everything that they bring in. All that, you have to have it. So you can't have a Canelo-Billy Joe Saunders fight in May with no crowd in some soundstage somewhere. It just can't happen. So I'm with you. They can't also push back Canelo-Golovkin to 2021 they got to get right on that. So that's probably what's going to happen. Billy Joe Saunders is ass out again. But, you know, hey, he's had opportunities in the past, and he blew it. That's on him. Uh, T Street, man, I'll let you go, dude. But before uh, before we go, I just want to thank you for, for jumping on here and, and talking with everybody, man. I really appreciate it. Again, you're a guy that I respect the hell out of. And I know there's going to be some fallout from this video, this this conversation. Dude, we'll just have fun mm-hmm. trolling these motherfuckers. Let everybody know where they can find you, follow you, and um, anything else you want to say, man, before you drop off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for, uh, for having me on the show. You know, I'm, I've been known to be uh, notoriously hard to get in contact with and do interviews and all that. But, you know, this is fun. This is different. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, even though this is my second account. Lost my first one due to being too controversial and hardcore. But... It's uh, T Street for Life. That's um, the number four on um, Twitter, obviously. Uh, T Street Controversy on um, YouTube and uh, T Street Controversy on Facebook. Now, right now, I'm at a point of um, I'm transitioning to being um, uh, more podcast and audio-related content. Obviously, my for those who are watching, my post-fight content and videos are not going to go anywhere. You know, we stream media calls, uh, major press conferences, post-fight press conferences. But as time goes on, you know, I'm really going for more longer lasting and more um, um, interactive content. But as it stands right now, you know, we don't know when boxing is going to be back or, you know, when, you know, significant boxing is going to be back. But nonetheless, I'm going to be here, man. Mike, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you, brother. Have a good one. And uh, let me know when I can come on your show, man. Come do something on your channel. All right. right? Definitely. Definitely. You guys have a good night. All right, bro. All right, guys. That's T Street. Make sure that you follow him. Make sure you check him out. I'm sure most of you guys already do. But as you can see, just a good guy, man, a smart guy, just a smart individual and uh, somebody, again, whose work I enjoy. Even when he's kind of going in and and, um, just trashing dudes, like some of his videos where he exposes guys and calls them out are just fucking outstanding. Love them. And he could go a little further with some of that stuff than I can go, you know, because I am beholden to certain platforms. I got to... Reel some of that in, but uh, he just, he, no holds bar, just speaks his mind, and I love it, man. Um, again, I will ask you guys to please, please share this video. If you're listening on one of the audio platforms, share the podcast, okay? Get it out there. I need you guys to do that. I know I say that, and a lot of you guys are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Do it, okay? I just found out today one of the platforms I work with, I've worked with for years, Boxing Monthly, has gone under, okay? We're we're done as of May. So it's so important, guys, that you support content creators, independent like myself, 
And then magazines, websites, everything. Help out in one way that you can help. Look, if you want to help out with a Super Chat or a Patreon, I, I'm so happy for those of you who do that. I can't thank you enough. But if you can't do that, I understand. And just retweet this show. Just tweet it out there. Just post it on your Facebook. How hard is that shit? It takes five seconds. Just go to Apple Podcasts and drop a rating, drop a review. It takes you guys two minutes. You just listen to me yap for an hour and a half. All I'm asking is for one extra minute, 60 more seconds to go do that for me, okay? I need that help, guys. That helps me get the word out there, okay? Uh, But let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, man. Um, What a great show today, man. I knew T-Street was going to be good. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, Now I got to get back to work. I got a couple articles I'm working on. And um, that's it. So we'll do it again next Monday, guys. Remember to stay safe and um, do the right thing. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'll see you at the fights.